out tonight, we're turning to Proverbs chapter 14. How many of you need notes out there? Need to have a few people that need notes? Okay, the guys are bringing them around. The notes are in your bulletin if you grabbed a bulletin this morning. If you need notes, let's get them out to you. Trap 7 tonight is unresolved anger. And this is one that happens in every home and normally in every individual. We all struggle in some ways with our anger. Yeah, so we want to uh, give this to you tonight. Yeah, to look at this. Proverbs 14, as we get started. Anybody else need notes? Last chance. Proverbs 14. Look at verse number 29. He that is slow to anger or to wrath is of great understanding. But he that is hasty of spirit exalteth folly. So a person who is quickly angry promotes foolishness or folly. Go to Ecclesiastes, if you would, chapter 7. Ecclesiastes chapter 7. That's the next book to your right. Ecclesiastes 7. And verse number 9. And I want you to note a key word in this passage. Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry, for anger, look at this next word, resteth in the bosom of fools. That's what we're going to show you tonight. Unresolved anger is anger that remains inside. Anger rests in the bosom of a fool. And God is saying that, not me. James chapter 1 in the New Testament. After the book of Hebrews is James. James chapter 1. We're going to read three verses there. James chapter 1. Verse number 19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. And we see tonight, as we start in your notes, one of the most important areas a teenager needs training is in how to handle anger. And uh, there are a lot of young people, even in their preteen years or their late childhood years, who start to get angry... And sometimes they don't even know why, but they just are angry inside. And so they need training on how to handle, handle anger. Anger is normal. Anger, anger, I can't say it. I keep saying angler, like we're going fishing. Um, anger is normal, and it occurs in everyone. The problem isn't the anger itself, we're going to see tonight, but the managing of the anger. Now, if you read through the scriptures... Guess where you get your anger from? You get it from God. Every emotion that you have inside of you came from God. Because man was originally made in the image of God. And when Adam sinned, we were birthed into the image of Adam. But the moment you got saved, you were born into God's family. You were born back into the image of God. And so we want to live our lives with a godly or a righteous anger... 
not a human or carnal or fleshly anger. The Bible just said, as we read in James, that the wrath of man, so human anger, it's impossible for it to work God's righteousness. And so we're going to test some of those things tonight. Look at this. Let's pray. Father, bless us in our study tonight. Help us to honor you as we go through this. And I pray that individuals and families would um, just have their hearts touched in a way where they would actually take care of some of these things in their lives by your grace and by your power. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's start with parents. For parents. First thing, number one, anger is a God-given emotion, which is kind of what we mentioned just a second ago. Anger is a God-given emotion. came directly from the Creator. We're going to see in a minute Mark chapter 11. Let's go ahead and head over there as we get into this section, and we'll read this in just a moment. Mark chapter 11. Um, You guys all know the famous story of when Jesus got angry, if you've ever been to Sunday school. And he came into the temple with a whip. Look at Mark 11, verse number 15. And they come to Jerusalem, and Jesus went into the temple and began to cast out them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. In another passage, we read that he went in with a whip. He was very upset. He was very angry. When Jesus talked to the Pharisees in Matthew 23, we find that he was irate with how they were stealing from widows, how they were pretending to be good, and inside they were bound. And there was a righteous anger that was taking place. Now, most of our anger, could I tell you, 99% of it, maybe 98, 97, depends on who it is. Most of our anger is not righteous anger. Most of our anger is fleshly human anger. And we struggle with it. And a lot of times it, it gets trapped inside of us. And in the passage that we read in Ecclesiastes 7, now, we're going to go back to this again and again. Um, who's got a phone? Okay, well, we'll just keep going. Um, Ecclesiastes 7, though, talks about how anger rests in the bosom of fools. Is it annoying anyone? You guys all tuned in here? Listen strong to the message? Or is it distracting? How many are distracted? How many have ADD? And this is really messing you up. All right. Yeah, it's, it's my alarm. Okay, so I'm just going to leave it on. We'll just keep going, right? Turn it off? Let's just leave it on. Um, Okay. Let me paint for you kind of something in your eyes. We'll turn it off. Okay. And now I better turn my ringer off, too, because you know that somebody would call the pastor during church. In fact, there are probably people in this room who would do that. Um, 
just because they know his phone's on. That's why I don't normally bring my phone with me. Look at what we say underneath number one. Anger is an emotional alarm. It's an emotional alarm. It sounds a warning when something is wrong, but it is not intended to be held inside of us. Now, if you have an alarm going off, and it keeps going off, and it keeps going off, and you just live with it, then it's not any use to you. How many of you, how many, how many of you hit your snooze button at least once in the morning? Okay, twice, twice, three times, four times. Oh my goodness, five times. Oh, wow, we're pushing it now. Um, I remember when we were first married that um, I had a USA Today newspaper route. And I had to be at the place in downtown Dallas at 2.30 in the morning. And sometimes we'd get out of church or we'd, we'd have an event. We'd get home at 11, 11.30. I'd go to bed. And the alarm would go off. And it's like you're so asleep that you don't even hear the alarm. And it's going off and it's going off. And my wife was tired too. And sometimes she would hit me. And sometimes I'd wake up. And sometimes the guy from USA Today would call and say, where are you? Um, because it had gone on for so long. The alarm was just going, but nobody notices it. Now, I propose to you tonight that anger could be in your home, and it could be going on and on and on and on and on, but nobody's turned the alarm off. And you've just grown used to living with anger in your home. Anger is not a good house guest. It's not polite. It is not a good house guest to have in your home. And so let's continue to go through this. Number two, we must model godly expression of our anger. Now, Jesus went into the temple and he modeled a godly expression of anger. When Jesus was angry, he didn't sin. That's why it says in Ephesians 4 and verse 26, be angry and Sin not, and let not the sun go down upon your wrath. So Jesus goes into the temple, and he acted, even though he was angry, he acted under control. Let me give you some tips about how to have this godly anger. Um, This is for parents still. Don't ever act or speak to your kids unless your own emotions are under control. You say, well, that is impossible. Well, listen, if you want your children not to have anger as a heart guest, you have to model a godly expression of anger. And sometimes the way to do that at our house, um, our kids know this, if mom or dad is so upset that we ever say, okay, go sit on my bed. Now, they, they know what that means. But instead of trying to address the issue when there's anger flowing through your veins and it's like your blood is boiling, let them go sit for a while and anticipate what's coming while you soothe your soul just a little bit and calm down and be able to express this in a godly way. Um, Sometimes what happens is anger is kind of like an aerosol can. Um, How many of you use aerosol hairspray? 
aerosol hairspray. My mom, when I was a kid growing up, she used Aquanet. She used the aerosol hairspray Aquanet. And she would put it on in the bathroom, and man, it's spraying everywhere. And uh, I remember, well, I won't talk about that because there's some young kids in here about fire, and um, we, we'll just not go there. But, um, but aerosol cans, how do you understand that when they start to spray, it doesn't matter who's there. It doesn't matter what's around. It sprays. That's the way that anger is, too. Um, if we don't control it and we're not specific about what we're angry about, it can begin to spray over everyone. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. But directing anger at a specific cause is important. Um, you need to be able to model and teach your young, your young people and your kids, okay, let's talk about what you're angry about. What is the event? What is the action? What is the person you're angry about? And that's one of the things we have to deal with one of our kids all the time. To say, listen, tell us what you're angry about. Who are you angry at? What happened that made you angry? Because you don't just get to live angry for no reason. You don't just get to take the Aquanet and spray everybody in the face just because you're angry. And that's what happens. Sometimes dad comes home from work. He's had a rough day. And he pulls the Aquanet out over the whole family. Sometimes mom comes home from work. Or sometimes dad comes home from work and mom already got home from work. And the Aquanet's out for both. And it's spraying everywhere. And the kids have Aquanet all over their bodies. They have like Aquanet head going on. Um, Because unresolved anger has just been spraying everywhere. Now, when it comes down to it, he's upset because the boss gave him an extra assignment at 4.30. And it took him past the closing bell, and he was upset about it. Or she's upset because something happened with the kids, and it's unresolved, it hasn't been taken care of. There are all these things that happen to us, but we attach them, and then we spray over everybody. And and what we have to do with our anger in a godly way is to seek resolution, to seek reconciliation, not payback. Anytime you seek payback... You are having your anger rest in you. You are living in a vengeful way. And God said, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. It's never our job to be vengeful. Anger episodes that carry over are the most dangerous kind. Um, In a home even, passive-aggressive anger, where the person doesn't get it out right away. Like, I'm angry that you did that. I can't believe you did that. Some parents squash that. Oh, you can't talk that way in our home. That's better for that to come out than it is for that child to plot how to hurt the other child for a whole day. And then the next day, when nobody's looking, they trip them or they push them. I got you back. The other kid doesn't even know what happened anymore. Right? So that passive-aggressive type of anger is a very dangerous heart guest. And we saw that. Um, even this past week, if you watch the news, the Empire State Building, um, guy gets fired, comes back the next day, and is violent at his workplace because of a passive-aggressive type of anger. And so we especially have to watch out for that as a heart guest. Number three for parents. We will work to avoid provoking our child to anger. Colossians 3.21 
Now, to find out what this means, because it's mentioned twice in the Scriptures, Ephesians 6 and Colossians 3, um, we really ought to study this and talk about it for just a few minutes. Colossians 3.21, Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. So kids can be discouraged if we provoke them to anger. And normally this happens, and, and God put fathers in there for a reason. Fathers in a two-parent home are to be the head of the home. And fathers often are the ones um, who have to be careful not to provoke their children to anger. But mothers often are just as susceptible. And any type of authority has to be careful of this. This happens when there are rules without relationships. When there is no affection, there is no connection, but there's just a rule. You do this. You do this. I expect that. We have to have the relationship with it. Um, Sometimes it is a parent having a critical spirit, just in their tone of voice. The parent may not know that they're even having a critical spirit, but the child is sensing that the parent looks down on them as a person and not just down on their action. And this, this can happen to children of any age. Now you say, Pastor, are you advocating for the children here? Nope. But God is. God is saying that your children could be discouraged by you. They could be discouraged by you. And so we have to be careful not to discourage them. Another way is through outright neglect. If you neglect your children, um, they will often be discouraged and end up angry at you. If a child does not know what the boundaries are, if they don't know what boundaries to expect in the home, it's very frustrating to them. If you've ever had a boss who one day he came in and he was happy and he loved everybody and the next day he came in and handed out pink slips or the next day he came in and said, we need a meeting and some of you people are too lax around here. And the next day he came in and he's happy and he went golfing and things were good. You never know how to act. Everybody's on the, what is it, eggshells? Eggshells? Yeah, everybody's living on eggshells. And sometimes that's the way kids feel at home. They don't know how the parent is going to act or what the parent is going to choose as a boundary for that time period. And so um, if a parent does that, there's often there's this temptation or this thing that takes place where a parent rejects or withdraws from the child. A parent is angry at the child because of how they've acted, and so the parent withdraws. Or the parent just pushes them away and rejects them. And that's not what God wants. God is a loving father. And when we do wrong, he chastens us, but he does not reject us. He does not withdraw from us. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. And so he stays with us. And so if you could do this tonight, if you're a parent, crawl inside of your child's perspective for just a moment. Tough to do, right? Um, and so your kids think it's tough to do. But parents say, oh, I was a kid once, right? I was a teenager once. I know how you feel. And sometimes we don't know how they feel um, because we haven't gone inside their perspective. And we haven't thought about, what does this tone of voice sound like to my kids? 
what does this action or this setting of a boundary feel like to my children? Could it be discouraging to them? And you know, when you find a pattern of a time when your children get angry or discouraged inside the home, you may often find that the catalyst for it was that a parent provoked it. A parent could provoke anger in a child. So we just have to be cautious of that one. Next one, number four. We will teach our our child about the nature of anger and how to resolve conflict. Let's go back to Proverbs for just a second. Proverbs chapter 15. This is a great verse that everybody ought to memorize. No matter what role or position you have in the home, you should memorize this verse. Proverbs 15. And verse number one. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. You know what the best way is never to have an anger episode in your home? Don't ever have two people who want to fight at the same time. If you never have two people who want to fight at the same time, you're not going to have a fight. It takes two people to have a fight. And so a soft answer turns away wrath. Now, this can happen with kids. If, if a kid has had a hard day and he's been angry or he's gotten into trouble at school or he's gotten in trouble at home and he feels like you're down on him, sometimes he'll really strive to please you after that. Um, maybe clean his room or clean her room or pick up something they don't normally do or maybe be very sweet and say thank you or say something in a polite way. And when a child does something good and we fail to notice, that can frustrate them even more. So if they've had a hard time, they do something good and we fail to notice. Um, we talked about the, the Aquanet can. Um, when a child maybe has a problem at school and then brings the problem home and is just mean to everybody. Siblings just get sprayed all over. Mom and dad get sprayed all over. Um, those are things that we have to be careful that we explain what's happening with that, that anger. And we have to teach our child the nature of anger and how to resolve that conflict. And we'll get to that at the end of the lesson tonight. Um, another one is if you have, this probably hasn't ever happened in your home, if you ever have any type of sibling problem, um, where there's some type of sibling comment or remark, or you took my shirt without asking, and I can't believe you wore my shirt, and you're such a and back and forth and back and forth. Probably never happened in your houses. Um, but a sibling gives a cutting remark, and then this child, who's already got anger, has to get back at him. And then he's got to get back at him, and he's got to get back at him, and it's back and forth and back and forth. And most of the time, you know what anger is? Almost always, it's a response. Anger is not an initial action. Anger is normally a reaction. Now, here's where it becomes an action. When I don't get rid of it properly. When it rests inside of me, 
then I have determined on my own to hold on to it. When it rests past one day in my body, in my soul, in my spirit, I am the one who has determined to hold on to the anger. And I said before, anger is a horrible heart guest. A child who is full of anger is kind of like a mud wrestler, right? And if you are dealing with an angry mud wrestler, what do you think the worst thing you could possibly do is? To go into the mud after him, right? But this is what happens with parents. Child's angry, and so what do they do? They step up to the anger plate too. Child elevates the anger. Parent elevates the anger. Don't you yell at me! How dare you yell at me! Just woke everybody up. Now, did I just maybe say that with a hint of anger? But what we do is we elevate anger for anger, and it ends up where both the parent and the child are in the mud wrestling pen. And now who's got mud all over them? Everybody. They're slinging mud everywhere. So if you have an angry child, stay out of the mud. Don't go down in the mud with them. You say, listen, I'm not going to argue with you. I'm the parent. God made me the parent. You're the child. Here's how we'll handle this. And if they yell back at you, soft answer turneth away wrath, Proverbs 15.1. But grievous words stir up anger. Just makes it more. It can, inflames it more. And parents, unfortunately, in your righteous indignation toward your child's action, sometimes you take gasoline and pour it on top of the fire. And you make an episode that could have been handled in a godly, wonderful way between parent and child, an explosion in your house that ruins everybody's day or evening or week. So God has a role for parents when it comes to anger. He wants us to have a soft answer. Um, <laughs> when in your car, now once again, some of you may have a different take on this, but in your car, when your red light starts blinking that your oil pressure's bad or you need an oil change, you could do something smart, like go take it in or go look at the oil or make sure you have oil in there. Or, you know what you could do? You could stop and you could get out and you could get a hammer and you could hit the light. <laughs> right? I'll take care of that oil light. You take a hammer, you knock the light out. Now you fixed it, didn't you? Right? Now you just add in another problem. Here's what happens in family anger. Most of the time, if we're not careful, the parent adds a new problem to the original problem. And so when the, the alarm is flashing, instead of living with the alarm, recognize anger is an alarm. It's what it is. It is an alarm signal that something wrong is happening or some problem is happening in the heart. Stop the car. Check what's going on before you move on. Instead of slamming the light with a hammer. And uh, so that's a big one that you, you, you ought to be cautious about. As we continue down in your notes, number five. Our home must be a safe haven 
to express all emotions and especially anger. Anger can be expressed in the home, but it needs to be expressed in a right way. And one of the ways that you just have to say is, listen, we don't yell at our house. Mom and dad don't yell, and you don't yell. If you're angry, you can tell us what's going on. You can write us a letter. It's okay if you tell us what you're angry about. In fact, we want to know, and we'll help you figure it out. But we do it in a certain way. And you have to express how anger is going to be handled in your home. And then, here's the deal, you have to live by it. You have to live by it. Now, I recommend that every family sit down and have a family constitution where you choose 10 important things for your home, choose a category, and choose how you're going to handle it. And allow everybody to be a part. Um, If somebody hits someone else out of anger in our house, what should happen? Right? And your four-year-old will say, they shouldn't have food for a week. Right? And your 10-year-old will say, nothing. That's regular, normal life. And and so you're going to get a different perspective from everybody. Um, But you should talk through what happens in your house and how it should happen. Because it keeps you responsible. See, a lot of times we don't deal with unresolved anger in our house because we have unresolved anger in our lives. And we have to first allow God to get rid of that. And the way that you do that, the only way to get rid of unresolved anger is to go back and figure out what it is that you're angry about. What is it, the original heart sin inside of you? Get specific with it. And when you can get specific with what you're angry about, you can get specific with forgiving as Christ forgave you. But it starts with that process. Now here's some for teens or for young people. Number one, I need to be able to understand what causes me to feel angry. Right? If you're a young person, you are going to have anger. Period. It's going to happen. Sometimes, a lot of the times, you're not going to know what it is. And when mom and dad ask you, well, what are you angry about? I don't know. I'm just angry. But what made you angry? I'm not sure. Right? But... Did somebody hit you today? Was somebody mean to you? I don't know. Right? And it's kind of like, well, how do I help this child? Well, you have to keep talking them through it. And help them to source out what's happening inside of their hearts. Every parent should be familiar with the four core heart sins and what they say. And we did a whole series on that. Um, Anger is one of the big heart sins. And it says, you owe me. You owe me. You did something to me. You hurt me. You owe me. Guilt says, I owe you. I did something to you, and now I'm guilty. I'm hiding. Um, Greed is the one that we sometimes don't even think of. And it says, I owe me. And then jealousy says, God owes me. God could have done better by me. God could have made my life better. God could have given me a better husband or wife or parents. That's truly jealousy or resentment. Resentment and anger tied at the hip. When you find a person who's angry, you often find a person who's jealous or resentful. And when you find a person who's guilty, you know what you find? Usually a person who's greedy. They're tied at the hip. 
Um, a person says, I owe myself this. And even if what they think they owe themselves is bad or hurtful to them and their family, they'll still do it. And then what happens after they do it? Guilt. They try to cover it up. So they're tied at the hip. And these heart sins you should be familiar with so that you can work with your children at night even to say, is there anything in your heart that's hurting? Is there anything inside of you that we need to talk about? And if you start that at a young age, when they start having emotions, you'll be shocked at how it comes out. Um, you could take a six-year-old and, and notice when they've been wounded emotionally. You could take a four-year-old sometimes and notice when they've been wounded emotionally, how they've been hurt. And sometimes you have to go back through and say, what happened? And who did this? And talk through where it's going to come, where the anger is coming from. Now, we've talked through this with our kids before. And we have one child, God bless his heart, um, who sometimes will say, well, who are you angry at? You. Okay, well, what did I do to you? You got me in trouble. And so we talked through that. How did I get you in trouble? Well, you said this. I said, well, I said that because you did this. Well, right? And so you got to go through the thing. Now, at the end of that, Dawson and I are still friends and we hug. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he has a unique anger thing. And we, I love to talk through him with his anger. Um, he actually will talk to me about his anger, and I love that. Now, I have a passive-aggressive young person either. I, he has a red shirt. I won't say his name. Um, but he holds his anger in, and you're not going to get it out of him. What are you angry about? Nothing. Did something happen? Nope. Well, did, you know, did like uh, something meteor hit you in the head? What happened? Nope. And, you know, not quite that bad all the time. But, um, and parents, you'll notice this as your kids get older. Sometimes mom communicates better with one of the kids. Sometimes mom communicates better with a boy. It's the weirdest thing. Sometimes dad communicates better with a girl um, about her feelings and her emotions. And we're going to talk at the end about what happens in a parent-child relationship sometimes in a passive-aggressive way. Next one, number two. I must learn to express anger appropriately and not let it become sin. We already quoted this verse, be angry and sin not. So God says you can have the emotion of anger without sinning. Um, the sin is when you hold it over or when you act it out in an ungodly way. But the emotion of anger has come from God. If you have the ability to get angry, then you are a human being. Right? It's all you are. Um, Feeling anger is not a sinful thing. It's a human thing. But what you do with it is, is the important thing. It's kind of like if a man's driving down the road and there's a billboard of a woman in a bikini. Right? The fact that he notices that just means he's a man. Right? That's all it means. He is a human being who is a man. What he does after he notices it is whether or not it's a sin. Right? If he drives down the road like this and runs into the car in front of him, he just committed sin in several ways. 
But if he notices it and then snaps his head and says, I'm not looking at that. God made me this way to do this. And keeps his eyes down. Then that's where he's made that decision. And when you have anger come in your life, that's a natural emotion. But what you do with it is huge. Where you take it is big. Here's what I encourage anybody who has unresolved anger that's been there a long time, that's been resting inside of you to do. If you really want to get rid of it, get a notebook. Go sit in a place where you will not be distracted and write a letter, as long as you need to, to God. Tell him what you're angry about. Tell him who hurt you. Tell him deliberately and specifically how they hurt you. You know why? Because he can handle it. God can handle it. Your kid can't handle it. If dad did something or husband did something to you and hurt your feelings, wife, and you tell your kids about it, they were not made to handle that. God did not make a 13-year-old to have to handle what mom or dad did to each other. It's not how God created kids. They don't have to support that. They don't have to choose sides between mom and dad. And so we have to be very careful what we do with the anger at that point. Okay, number three. I must know how to resolve conflict when I've been hurt or when I have hurt another person. So it's not just about when you've been hurt. Sometimes it's when you hurt somebody else. And resolving conflict is something that should be taught from a very young age. It can be done in a godly way. Look at Matthew 18. This is how it's to be done in the local church. And this works in the home as well. Okay, now sometimes you need a mediator in the home on this. But Matthew 18, verse number 15. It begins with communication. Communication. If you are angry at somebody for something they did to you and you never talk to them about it, you will probably end up having some type of passive-aggressive behavior. All right? If you just let it sit inside of you. Matthew 18, 15. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him. His fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more. This is the way it works in the home. You got a problem with somebody at the house? Go and talk to him about it. Communication. Okay? Say, I'm very upset or I'm hurt that you did this to me. And if they just laugh at you, it's because they're brothers. If they just laugh at you, I can't believe that you did that with my sock or with my shirt or can't believe you did this here. If they laugh at you, then you take somebody else with you. You don't have to tattle. You could say, Mom and Dad, we need to have a talk with so-and-so. Right? We need to sit down and we need a mediator to talk this through. You know, Mom and Dad would probably respond to that much better than, He took my shirt. She stole my socks. He kicked me. All right? And mom and dad respond better to mediation than they do to tattling. And it, it's all communication. But you teach that in the home. Next one, Ephesians 4.32 is forgiveness. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Okay? 
<laughs> anger, as we said, it can, it can go both ways, and it can really be incited by either party. And when somebody has come to you and communicated and said, I'm upset about this, then when they do apologize, forgiveness has to take place. Forgiveness has to take place. Do you know that forgiveness can take place whether or not they apologize or not? In fact, in Ephesians 4.32, it says, Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another after they apologize, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. No, not in there. Forgiveness takes place in a specific way, um, by design, going to the cross with our burden and saying, God, there's nothing that that person has done to me that I did not do to you. My sin placed you on a cross. Because of your cross, I can forgive. Last one is restitution. Restitution. And this is one we forget about. If you ever read the story of Zacchaeus in Luke 19, restitution had to take place. And that's this question. What will be necessary to make things right in the relationship? Right? If you broke your brother's whatever, what's it going to take to make that right? If you did such and such, how are we going to make that right? Now, there are some things that do not have a quantified restitution. Right? If you scratch somebody's arm, what are you going to do? Put a Band-Aid on it? Um, pour peroxide on it for them? How are you going to fix it? There are some wounds that have happened in your life that there's no restitution that can take care of it. Not one. If your dad stole your childhood, or your husband stole your first marriage, or your wife stole your relationship, there is something there's no restitution for and so you have to go to God on that. That's where you have to write down on paper and say, God, this person took this from me. This person hurt me in this way. But I've got to bring my anger to you. What happens um, is in the relationship with mom and dad kids, sometimes it's kind of like salt and pepper shakers. And you have um, a child who starts to get kind of bossy, attitude-y, upset in the home. And kids, you want to be salt or pepper? You're pepper, all right? Pepper's black, sinful, just like kids. All right, so, um, so pepper, pepper gets a little bit angry, upset, and goes out in the lead, right? Now, mom or dad in the home, to, to feel like they gain control emotionally, what do they sometimes do? They have to jump back out front. And so now what does the kid do? They jump back out front again. And you have this struggle that keeps taking place until there's a major anger episode blow up. And so kids have to be responsive to this as well. As they grow up, they have to understand that if I just push one of mom's buttons, she's going to jump out in front of me because she's the mom. Right? And now if I don't stop and allow it to be managed and I jump back out front, she'll have to jump back out front again. And sometimes it happens with dad too. If mom says, dad, you take care of this kid. He's been doing this and he said this and he's been doing this. And so dad comes in and he jumps out in front of the kid. 
And now the kid, he's angry, and so he jumps back out in front of the dad. And back and forth and back and forth, and somebody has to stop and say, we're not doing this anymore. Now, hopefully it'll be the parent. But not every person in here has a godly parent. And so sometimes you as a young person or a child need to allow Jesus Christ to work in your heart to stop the anger that's going on. You know, the best way you can stop the anger to forgive and love. Those of you who have any home life at all know that there's nothing more precious than a reunion time or a forgiveness time or a restoration time. There's nothing more precious than when a child willingly admits that they've been wrong and there's forgiveness and there's a restitution that takes place between mom and dad and that child. And there's nothing worse than when a child won't admit something and when they try to hold it inside. And sometimes, parents, that's what happens with anger inside of us. We won't admit that we're angry. We won't allow God to take that anger out of our lives. He wants to do that. So hopefully some of these scriptures and principles will be a help to you tonight on unresolved anger. After we dismiss in prayer, if um, you weren't here this morning, we want you to be able to be involved in our door project. And so write the first name of anybody or any buddies that you'd like to pray for for salvation. If you were here this morning and you thought of some new ones, go ahead and use this, and we'll move the tables um, after everybody's done tonight. And we're so happy that you could be involved in this prayer project. Let's pray together that God's going to bring people to Christ through it. Let's stand. We'll be dismissed in a closing word.